Blog Talk Radio. As we are in the midst of a health pandemic that is having dramatic impact on our economy, uh, that impact to business has been quite severe in many cases. Hi, everyone. This is Jim Mitchell, and on this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte, we're going to provide some insights into how filing for bankruptcy might be a necessary but useful option for some businesses. We'll talk about different uh, ways of going about that. Joining me are Lavelle Law Managing Partner Ted McGinn and his colleague, shareholder Timothy Hughes, both of which have been with us many times in the past. So, gentlemen, uh, good afternoon, and thanks for taking time to be here today. Thanks wow, for having thanks me, Jim. It's uh, good to get you back together. It's, let me just start with an opening question. And, you know, a lot of economic activity with the CARES Act and uh, other forms of economic support recently. Are, are you guys hearing from a lot of your business clients currently with questions and concerns? Well, definitely. We're having uh, a lot of inquiries, a lot of uh, concern out there, of course, with the shelter-in-place order here in Illinois. So definitely we're getting a lot of inquiries how to how to manage this, how to deal with this. And, of course, the uh, you know, bankruptcy issue is pops up, you know, uh, under the circumstances. And we'll, we'll talk about various types of bankruptcies here in a moment. Uh, that word carries a lot of uh, negative connotation in many times. It's, is it safe to say that as we get in the conversation today, one of the key messages might be that a, a properly executed bankruptcy can be beneficial, can be the right tool to actually help a business in some cases? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes a business has the viable operation. They have a product or service that is uh, makes sense. It's wanted by consumers out there, and the business can operate in a profitable way. However, because of some of the debt structures that they have, maybe they had, you know, a problem with uh, a tax assessment or uh, maybe a lost customer or some other issue that came up. And, of course, the coronavirus pandemic is another great example of that. But something happened that just kind of shoved the business off course, and they still have that viable business, but because of the debt structure, it's just difficult for them to operate in a positive cash flow standpoint. I don't, Tim, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with that. I tell a lot of clients that uh, nobody wants to come and see a bankruptcy attorney. We're like ER doctors. Life events will lead you to uh, uh, come to us to seek help that, uh, you know, whether it's a September 11th uh, crisis or a pandemic or a 2008 uh, great uh, recession, life events outside of uh, or events outside the business, a viable business can occur that can cause an interruption that may be too difficult to immediately cure in, you know, a month or two months or three months, but a bankruptcy can give that uh, viable business time to operate and recover. And, Tim, you deal with them on a a regular basis, uh, bankruptcies, I mean, and um, I know there's different types. We'll talk about each today, but, you know, from a a business perspective, can you give an overview of what the the key types are that a business would consider? Sure. Yeah, there's – oh, go ahead, Ted. Go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to just say, I mean, I think you put them in two different categories. Either you have a liquidation or you have a reorganization. The liquidation is, uh, you know, uh, known as like a Chapter 7 and then a reorganization is, you know, historically where you're in the Chapter 11. I know we're going to talk about Subchapter 5 in a little bit, but, but your business bankruptcy usually fits in those two different categories. Tim, you can go ahead and add to that. Sure. And the Chapter 7 
is a liquidation where the business upon the filing of the bankruptcy petition with the court has stopped business. So there is no next day of operations or anything. The business is stopped because of those outside environments or uh, other conditions, and it's closed. The 11 is a reorganization saying, hey, this business has a valuable asset, goodwill, or a good product line, and can continue indefinitely, but it just needs to get over this hurdle. So the uh, Chapter 11 allows for a reorganization of its debts to allow it to keep going. Let's, let's focus on Chapter 7 filing for a moment here and take, tackle that one first. Um, is, is that come with it uh, any certain eligibility requirements? Can a company simply you know, claim Chapter 7, or do they have to have some proof that they have reached a point where they're no longer operational? Go ahead, Jim. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty much automatic, and um, there's even an involuntary Chapter 7 where creditors can say, hey, this business uh, shouldn't be allowed to continue and should be filed, filing uh, bankruptcy, and creditors can force a corporation into bankruptcy in hopes of having a trustee then marshal its assets and liquidate it to provide a dividend to uh, general unsecured creditors. Uh, but there's, uh, but a Chapter Seven is open to any company. But again, it is closing the business. Now, one thing I might add: part of the analysis with a Chapter Seven, you know, as Tim mentioned, the business no longer operates; it ceased to exist. Uh, trustee's appointed; he you know, liquidates the assets, distributes to the creditors. But uh, a debtor, uh, you know, the shareholders of a debtor, for that matter, especially with a smaller business situation, they must also consider and think about: Are there any personal guarantees for any of those uh, those those liabilities of the company? Because uh, even if the bankruptcy, you know, company stops operating and and it no longer exists, if there is a personal guarantee, those individual shareholders may still be dealing with those issues following the bankruptcy. And is that an instance in which uh, a team like yours might come in? I mean, certainly you would hope that uh, things are set up in a way that uh, there's protection, but as you're saying, a, a personal guarantee uh, certainly adds a, a lot of concern to an individual owner. Then are, are there ways to assist them with that? Well, I think the first thing you're going to want to do is is make sure that the, the debtor shareholders, the company shareholders, are aware of this guarantee. I mean, the last thing you want to do is throw them into Chapter 7 bankruptcy, and they think that, okay, well, all their problems are solved, and they move on. You know, of course, they lose the business, but that, that they don't have to deal with it anymore. But if they find out that there is a personal guarantee, they may be in for a uh, rude awakening, and they've got to deal with this particular problem. Now, uh, you know, once you bring that to their attention, as far as trying to you know deal with these uh, personal, uh, you know, these, these liabilities that they're on the hook for personally, you, you may want to try to start thinking about if you want to strategize when you file the Chapter Seven bankruptcy, or possibly start negotiating with those particular creditors with that personal guarantee. Uh, Tim, you could probably talk a little bit about that. They got to be a little bit careful because of a trustee with the right to try to pull back certain preferential transfers. Sure. And I'll also add, Ted mentioned, you know, the concern of a guarantor or a guarantee out there for an owner or officer. Uh, that is where the officer or owner voluntarily agreed to be 
committed as a um, co-debtor or obligor to uh, contract voluntarily, but there's also uh, with employment tax, sales tax, statutory uh, ways that that same director, officer, or owner could become liable, and we want to analyze that and look at the timing of the bankruptcy filing because um, uh, if a business fi uh, files bankruptcy, all of a sudden that uh, those receivables that it has on its books, well, those uh, customers may then say, hey, wait a minute, there was a problem with the product or the service and, you know, not want to full pay to a, a Chapter 7 trustee asserting some defenses that may not be as meritorious. And also uh, uh, a trustee's ability to liquidate may not be as um, good as the owner or director or officer of the company, so they may want to stay open a little bit longer to uh, liquidate inventory or some key assets, but then uh, once uh, an asset or once a bankruptcy is filed for a corporation, a trustee, as Ted mentioned, is going to look to see what was the business doing on the eve of bankruptcy, and uh, on the eve of bankruptcy, um, goes back uh, 90 days to just general creditors, a year to insiders, and then um, possibly two to four years for any kind of very unusual transaction. So if the business was becoming insolvent, then there's now a fiduciary duty to creditors that the trustee is going to look at to see if that was followed. Well, that certainly lays the, the groundwork for us here in talking about Chapter 7. Now, Chapter 11 is a different format. What can you tell us about that at a high level to begin with? Well, Chapter 11 fits into that reorganization, you know, as, as opposed to Chapter 7 where the business ceases to operate. At Chapter 11 is sometimes referred to a debtor in possession, and, and essentially what that means is upon the filing of the Chapter 11 bankruptcy, the business still nevertheless continues to operate. Uh, a trustee, you know, is not really coming in and, and trying to liquidate assets. The, the debtor keeps those assets, but then the debtor, the debtor has certain obligations to come forth with the Chapter 11 bankruptcy plan. Tim, why don't you talk about you know, what you typically see in a Chapter 11 plan? Well, in the Chapter 11 plan, uh, uh, the debtor is proposing identifying its creditors into different categories or classes, uh, secured creditors, those that have a security interest in either real estate or personal property, machinery and equipment, vehicles, or some other tangible assets. Then there's priority uh, creditors that are uh, employees' wages within a certain period and amount uh, taxes, uh, IRS, Illinois Department of Revenue, or any other state agency, or uh, uh, creditors, if it's uh, food-related, maybe a PACA claim, Perishable Agricultural Commodities Act uh, vendors, and then there's general unsecured creditors, the guys last in line, and depending upon the class, uh, there's limits on what or requirements on what has to be paid to each particular class. And uh, uh, the restructuring of the general unsecured creditors from 100% down to some small percentage 
may allow enough cash flow to meet the secured and priority claims to allow the business to again go forward. And I would add real quickly, if I really real quickly, Jim. One of the other benefits of the bankruptcy, though, you may have a business and you're getting hit with a lawsuit here, a lawsuit there. Uh, you know, IRS may be taking enforcement action, and it's very difficult to operate your business if you're dealing with these 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 fires here and there. You know, these lawsuits being pulled in the court left and right. Chapter 11, uh, you know, once that petition is filed, you're going to create an automatic stay that basically puts a stop, at least temporarily, to all these pending state court matters, these state court proceedings and other collection activity, and brings everybody into the bankruptcy court. So it, so it enables the business to try to put everybody together and until enable them to continue to operate. I mean, Tim, you want to kind of talk about the automatic stay a little bit? Well, the automatic stay, as you said, is automatic that uh, – a uh, corporation may be facing a lot of uh, threats from creditors, but once it files, the moment it files, it gets bankruptcy protection immediately, and its creditors have to cease and desist, taking them to court or advancing a uh, lawsuit or seeking uh, repossession of motor vehicles or assets. Uh, so the bankruptcy yeah, so, I, gives, so hypothetically tim so if if a if a business is being you know sued by their landlord or a landlord's trying to evict that business or maybe a creditor is trying to seize like you mentioned vehicles or file a lawsuit you you could file that that bankruptcy petition the morning of whatever lawsuit's pending and you run into the court and it puts a stop to that lawsuit right away correct if uh if there was a judicial sale of a, of a vacant lot that a uh, scrapyard needed, but uh, you know, just for whatever reason, couldn't get there, uh, and that judicial sale was occurring at 10:30 in the morning, by filing Chapter 11, you know, a minute before that sale, that stops that sale. Um, if the auctioneer isn't notified of the sale, that sale is if it was carried out, is void because there was a bankruptcy filed a minute before. So that could be a very valuable yeah, that, tool. Yeah, now that sounds like an advantage, but let's look at, is there a flip side to Chapter 11? Any disadvantage or things you should be aware of before you think that this is the right idea? Well, the biggest disadvantage would be the expense, and I know it sounds a little paradoxical where, okay, so if to file a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, you have to have a fair amount of cash to do it. I mean, you know, most businesses would think if I had the cash, why would I need the bankruptcy? But uh, Chapter 11 is uh, somewhat of a costly proposition in the sense that, uh, you know, there's a creditor's committee that is created for the unsecured creditors. They have to have an attorney. Uh, in addition, there's there's monthly fees that have to be paid to the United States trustee. Tim, why don't you you know expand upon those other costs that a yeah. Chapter 11 debtor might expect? Sure. Uh, the traditional Chapter 11 has a lot of reporting requirements to the court, and that means uh, court appointed or I mean uh, approval of the accountants that are going to be preparing that monthly operating reports, uh, motions to get approved a cash. Um, budget for short-term operations, and all that is very time-consuming. There's what's called first 
day motions where there's a slew of uh, items to deem what is essential or critical for continued pain and just allowing the cor or the corporation to kind of move forward uh, in the process of reorganizing and all that is as Ted mentioned very expensive to get done but in the long run um, the savings over the maybe five years of the plan it's well worth it I'm uh, visiting with two of the exceptional attorneys from Lavelle Law today managing partner Ted McGinn and shareholder Timothy Hughes uh, both have extensive experience with business law taxes and the bankruptcy process that we're talking about today we'll cover as much as we can but um, I expect uh, some of you may have more detailed questions you can reach out to Ted or Tim by calling 847-705-7555 or uh, just stop by LavelleLaw.com. You get more information on their work and bankruptcies in particular. Uh, a lot of great information there. Um, we've talked about Chapter 7 or 11. Those are terms that I think many of us are familiar with. But and you mentioned at the very beginning, Ted, uh, Chapter 5 filing, which seems to be something new. I had not heard of that before. Can you kind of give us a little view of what, what that is, and is it, in fact, something new? Yes, yeah, Subchapter 5 is a new uh, type of bankruptcy that is – uh, I don't know, Tim, it came into place, what, this past February, I think, when they first, uh, you know, when they, when, the, when they first passed the new September 5, is that when it happened? Uh, February 20th, uh, it became effective, and it's a Chapter 11, but there's a subchapter in the 11, which allows a debtor to do a uh, kind of a streamlined filing without all the reporting requirements and uh, no creditor committee, no debtor in possession, uh, uh, checking account and uh, no quarterly fees to the tr U.S. trustee's uh, office based on uh, the disbursements for the prior three months. However, there is a uh, interim uh, Chapter 11 trustee that will be overseeing everything, and he will get uh, he or she will get their um, uh, fees paid through uh, planned payments, but. Uh, the reporting requirements to the court, including um, a disclosure statement to accompany the plan, have been eliminated, which makes it a lot more uh, 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 economical for a small mm -hmm. business. And when we say small business, uh, February 20th of this year, that was defined as just under uh, $2.75 million of debt, excluding insiders. So if a uh, family had contributed a lot of money and loans to the company, theirs are not factored in to look at that $2.75 million ceiling, but with the CARES Act that was just passed at the end of March, that ceiling for a uh, subchapter 5 was raised from $2.75 million up to $7.5 million. Uh, but there's a one-year sunset provision on that, which means after a year it falls back to that 2.75. This is really it a great opportunity, though, because, you know, it, before Chapter 11 was just beyond the reach of many small businesses out there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you are a small business, you have some debt structure issues that are just preventing you from being successful, but you still have a viable business, uh, a reorganization is a great tool. Now the Subchapter 5 just provides these smaller businesses that opportunity. 
uh, it's just a great, good, good opportunity for these businesses. So while there's uh, maybe some uh, less restrictive requirements in terms of uh, eligibility, does it still go through the same court process, and is there still a trustee uh, that's associated with it, or is it uh, a little bit less uh, stringent in those requirements? Well, it's going to be less stringent. I mean, there's still a trustee that's that's going to be involved, but it's it's a much more streamlined process, and that's what makes it less costly for a debtor to to go that route. Tim, you can expand upon that if you wish. Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head with that. That the uh, lower reporting standards and the uh, less burdensome re, uh, requirements of a traditional Chapter 11 have been eliminated for the most part in the subchapter 5 so that a a business a small business uh can take advantage of the reorganization to get it through that uh tough spell. Now, I want to add something real quick though if I could jump in real quick you know chapter 11 and the chapter 5 are really only for those viable businesses and when I say viable what I mean by that is they have a business that they produce a product or a service that they can be profitable. They can make money off it, you know. And and if if their you know underlying business is not profitable and and they can't you know because competition is too good or they can't sell their product or services at a profit, uh, a chapter sub eleven or five really is not going to help them. It's just going to it's going to delay the inevitable. Now, when these take place, and I know we've talked about different formats, and one involves completely, you know, dissolving a corporation and and it's the end of business. But uh, whether it's that process and and distributing the assets or a reorganization plan under 11 or, or subchapter five, is there sort of an expected duration? I think I heard one of you mention a kind of a five-year plan. Um, do these all have a fixed duration as to how long it's going to take to come out, or do they vary? Uh, traditional bankruptcy is five-year plan to address all the classes of creditors um, unless if everybody's getting paid in full less than that. Uh, the subchapter five uh, has a range of three to five years. So depending upon the nature of the business and if it can uh, make you know, those guys last in line, the general unsecured non-priority creditors, uh, as whole as if they closed the doors and filed a Chapter 7, then they don't, then the corporation doesn't have to be in bankruptcy for five years. They could propose a three-year plan and be in and out in that three-year period or somewhere in, in between that three to five. I suppose that analysis comes down to, you know, those, the longer the plan is, obviously the lower your payment's going to be. However, you're going to be paying trustee fees a little bit longer, so that may be where uh, if you have the ability to pay it off sooner, the, the three-year plan may be more advantageous. And if I heard correctly throughout the conversation that um, there's a difference between secured and unsecured debt in these processes? Go ahead, Tim. Yes, uh, a secured creditor has collateral, so uh, his contractual rights with respect to that collateral are going to be um, uh, upheld by the court, and only you know under certain circumstances could there maybe be a cram down to fair market value or some adjustment uh, 
to that. General unsecured creditors have nothing. They have just the hopes of who they contracted with will be able to honor their contract and pay them on time. And, of course, with a bankruptcy, there are external factors that cause the debtor to file bankruptcy because they can't proceed to uh, make full payment on all those general unsecured uh, debts. You know, a, uh, and another concept to take away here, an unsecured creditor, that's where there could be a good opportunity to slice off what they're owed. Sometimes you hear, you know, ten cents in the dollar. And, you know, obviously the function of the assets of the debtor, and that kind of goes beyond the scope of this discussion. But there could be an opportunity there to save some money from those unsecured claims. And, and another topic that I know we've talked about in the past with you, in particular, Tim, and we can, you know, go deep into it. But just as a general question. Are tax liabilities eligible to be removed in bankruptcy, or do they always stand separate? Uh, the IRS, Illinois Department of Revenue, or what other state the debtor may operate in, uh, the while the IRS and state taxing bodies are super creditors that have a lot of resources, their claims can fall into uh, essentially the three categories. Secured, if the IRS or Illinois Department of Revenue filed a lien, then they have a lien up to the value of the assets or collateral of the debtor. Priority, if it was recent or if it was a nature of a trust fund tax, which uh, we don't have enough time to mention what that is, or um, there can be taxes that could be dischargeable, in which case that would be a general unsecured non-priority debt. Well, we've got may get paid left, I'd love to... Yeah, what I want to talk about quickly here, because... Um, there's a lot of information we've we've covered today, but there may be companies, especially as we've talked about in this current pandemic, that are feeling a significant financial squeeze. Maybe they're not sure where they're at right now, if they've if they've reached a point of uh, considering bankruptcy, or they maybe see it coming down the road if things don't change quickly. When's a good time to reach out to someone um, like Lavelle Law? Is it time to have a conversation when things, you know, the projections look bad? And in either case, whether it's forward-thinking or, hey, it's, it's happening now, um, what, what are the first steps? What should they come to you with when you want to start talking about what their options are? Well, I mean, certainly if they're getting demands from creditors, threats of lawsuits, anything along those lines, uh, a business is going to be concerned about that because the last thing they want is to have a disruption of their business. I think that would be a great opportunity to come and see uh, Lavelle Law so we can talk about the bankruptcy procedures, talk about when we a good time to file. You know, Perhaps the sooner they get to us, maybe we can avoid the filing altogether and work out some sort of arrangement with a particular creditor. Um, you know, but uh, you know, the sooner they come to us, the better. But once they realize they have uh, a debt problem, that's, that's the best time to come talk to us. Uh, agree wholeheartedly with what Ted said. Yeah, and anything they should come to you with in terms of just, uh, uh, you know, their their basic accounting reports or uh, accounts receivable payable. What uh, what would they normally want to sit down and talk about? Yeah, the balance. The you know their ba most recent balance sheet, a profit and loss, a schedule of their assets, including any receivables, a uh, schedule of all their their creditors. Uh, you know, copies of their agreements. So we can kind of take a look at that personal guarantee issue. 
uh, you know, the, the classic Chapter 5 case in my mind, Tim, you can, you know, add to this is, you know, a, a business, a viable business that may have just fallen behind on their rent or some other, you know, maybe some bank debt, they're two or three months behind, and that landlord, that bank is demanding full pay immediately, otherwise they're going to sue. Uh, the, in that situation, uh, that business could file a subchapter 5 and force that landlord to accept payment of that arrearage over the life of the ch- Chapter 5 plan. And, and of course, you've got to continue to make your regular lease payments on time, but that arrearage, that can be put off into a, a you know, three- to five-year plan and just keep that business alive. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the uh, purpose behind the uh, Subchapter 5 is to help that small business overcome a relatively small interruption in its uh, cash flow or business. Some outside environment caused it to fall behind with a secured creditor that wants to shut down the business. If it shuts down, everybody loses, but if it can operate and uh, operate profitably, then the Subchapter 5 is a great vehicle for uh, small business to keep operating. Well, excellent conversation today, and I want to thank uh, both uh, Ted McGinn and Timothy Hughes for joining me today. Uh, A lot of information in this extended version of Chicago's Legal Latte, but again, if you have more questions, 847-705-7555 or visit LavelleLaw.com. You can get in touch with either of these uh, gentlemen. They'll be happy to help you out. We want to thank you for listening. Thank them for being here. And um, any questions at all, don't hesitate to contact 847-705-7555. Thanks so much for listening.